Now, we all know that Martin can metabolise a pint in five minutes, but I bet even he wouldn't turn his nose up at getting free beer delivered to his door. Yes, our friends at Beer 52 are offering our listeners a free case of eight unique craft beers. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF and cover the postage of $5.95. Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Even Big Mandy is welcome, but not Colin. He's an utter bozo. Each month, members are sent a crate of beer with different themes. Don't like dark beer? Then choose the light option. Comes with a magazine and two snacks, BLT and crumpets not included. Don't be a cockwomble. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF to get this amazing offer. That's www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF. Hammer bottoms back on. I'm just airing. Don't worry about that now. We've got to tell everybody about the show. What show? It's our sixth anniversary Razzmatazz. Already? Already. It's been a whole year. Bloody hell. Well, get yourself ready because we need to tell everybody about how they get their tickets. Tickets? What tickets? For the Razzmatazz. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh, sorry, I'm half asleep, pal. Right, let's get on it. Let's get on it. Well, Who's you wanna, playing? Well, Who's I was playing? just about to tell you, we've got the amazing Undiscovered. <gasps> oh. Who else? And we've got the also amazing Memphis Sundogs. And? And to finish the night off, we've got the amazing Binomial. Oh. That's a fantastic lineup. So how can we get our tickets? Well, let me tell you how. If you email pancastatlive.com with however many tickets you want, tickets are only £10. Only? For all that? Only £10 for a night of fun and frolics. Bargain. So, Pav, when is it? It's on Saturday the 23rd of March. Where is it? At the Bingham Hall in Sirencester. And what time is it? Well, the doors open at 7. <gasps> oh. And where do we get our tickets again? Just email pancastatlive.com. That's pancastatlive.com. Let us know how many tickets you want, and we'll sort it out for you. And how much again? £10 a ticket. £10? There's a licensed bar. (gasps) There's going to be fun, and there's going to be frolics. Oh, yes. It's the Pancast 6th Anniversary Razzmatazz. (gasps) How exciting. I can't wait. When is it? (laughs) I'm not going to do it again. (laughs)
Hi, I'm Ashley Maguire, aka Big Mandy, and you're listening to What the Actual Fuck. Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hey, what the actual fuckers, and welcome to WTAF of This Country podcast. Now, first, he's the man who dressed up as a Dalek at last year's Scarecrow Festival, but pissed the Doctor Who fans off by shouting, Examinate, examinate. <laughs> it's Neil. <laughs> Where did that word examinate come from? I wonder. You'll have to check on one of our old episodes for uh, that. Yes. It's now part of. I've even got my examinate oh, t shirt yeah, on, look. You're, uh exemplifying the joke indeed hashtag hashtag yeah indeed now our super fine guest this episode is a writer director and producer in fact he is so busy he makes all of us feel like we're just len sitting on a bench eating cornflakes from a food bank please welcome warren dudley hey hello chaps how are we doing all right we're doing good good stuff i'm not that busy honestly (laughs) my life is often sitting eating cornflakes well, I mean, I may I say that your beard is getting is is looking very good, almost Len-like. Exactly. There you go. Some cornflakes still in it for you there. Oh, wonderful! Lovely. I had cornflakes for my tea. Oh, did you? Just, yeah. Oh, God. yeah. I can we're, see. We're all turning into Len. Yeah. Such, a, such a bloke's thing to have in it. Cornflakes for tea. It is. It is. <laughs> yes, indeed. Did you um, have them with milk though? That's of the course. Thing. Oh, right. Of course. I didn't have them straight. I'm, I'm not a monster like Len. I didn't have them straight out of the packet. I don't know. Anyway, Warren, thank you very much for joining us. No problem at all. Wonderful. Uh, we will start like we do with all our super fans. Uh, when did you first discover this country? Well, I was thinking about that this morning. I think you, you'd know more about this than me. I think it appeared on BB on the iPlayer on BBC Three, just as Scarecrows, didn't it? Just the first episode appeared. That's what I remember seeing that, and then coming to it a bit after that and binging. I don't recall. It all being available at once. That might not be true. But when, I seem to recall it being episode one cropped up. That's right. They did do it sort of weekly on the iPlayer. So they were released weekly. So that is right. Yeah. 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 So I found the first one. And like, look, like all new comedy, you sort of start the first five, ten minutes. You think, well, I don't know. And then within 20 minutes, you're completely hooked. And then, you know, nine hours later, having watched the whole thing, completely hooked. But, uh, yeah. So that's kind of how I found it. So had you had you heard about it before, or were you just just skimming through the I channel think, and? I think literally, I will occasionally just uh, look for comedy on the iPlayer and see what's about and see what's you know. Cause that's the good thing with the iPlayer is you sometimes well that's where you get to see what's new and what's going on now, what's being commissioned, and so that popped up at a similar time as I got into uh, people just do nothing. They came along about the same time and loved them both. But this country, yeah, I kind of yeah loved it. So what was it that you know that you fell in love with straight away then? Well, I'm a I'm a huge fan of of uh, mock documentaries right the way back, and uh, they get unfair stick as far as I'm concerned these days. And I think that uh, just coming at it as a huge fan of The Office and those kind of shows, you sort of think, oh, what are these guys going to do with it? And then it's quite gentle and it's quite slow, and you think, oh, okay. But that's just the joy of it. Is it's uh, joy of the mock documentaries. Not much has to happen for it to be so lovely. And that is, uh, you know, why I just, yeah, it's great. I just love it. Fantastic. So, what is your, um, you said you sort of binged watched them all. Yes. Did you do yeah. the same for series two as well? Yes, I think so. Yeah, I think, uh, 
yeah, just watch the whole, you know, maybe in two sittings. We probably, me and the wife will be sat and watch the whole thing uh, over two nights. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of good. It's an interesting way of how that's, how TV has changed, isn't it, uh, now that that's how you consume stuff now. It's just, uh, you know, two, three hours at a time rather than waiting for, you know, 22 minutes a week. Absolutely. It's, 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 it's definitely a viewer's choice now, isn't it, rather than a scheduler's. It is. We've said it before. There's there's not very much um, appointment television these days where everybody gathers I'm around. I'm surprised that it's still it, – you can't imagine it's going to exist forever, like the TV guide, can you? It, it seems like outdated now that you have to watch something at quarter six. Mm. It seems such a strange you know, way of watching stuff now, particularly with, with advertising, that you know Netflix and Prime and the iPlayer is so much more convenient. So did you – did, uh, Warren, did you watch the uh, obviously the special? Have you caught yes, up with that yes. one? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> and did it have a resolution that you liked through the special? I think. Well, look, it left it. Obviously, it left it kind of where we found it, didn't it? Really, it didn't. It didn't leave it uh, uh, on a massive knife edge, did it? I think it just left you with them, and obviously the whole stuff with the uh, with the uh, the sorry. Is the whole thing with the prison sentence and the dad going away and stuff that was all uh, lovely and it got kind of a bit, bit more touching I think as it went through the whole series both, both seasons and the special it started out fairly straight comedy and then by the end it was much more touching and more pathos and much more sweet I think that's kind of how I saw the specials really the special one but uh, yeah, obviously the special had that fantastic <laughs> trip to the biker guy in the world, didn't it? Which was uh, a little treat. <laughs> so, so as a writer yourself, um, and also someone that, that that has made their own mockumentary, which we'll we'll come yes. on to a, a little bit later, how much of an influence can you see of things like The Office and? Um, even that Peter Kay thing is something that mm. we, we've never sort of mentioned before. No, but that was yeah. for me. That's the first original sort of mockumentary well, TV you, series. I think. Have you seen uh, Human Remains? No, but somebody else mentioned that. Another you guest must. mentioned You're that. Absolutely must. It's Rob, Rob Brydon and Julia Davis, and it was made, I guess, in the nineties, and uh, absolutely superb. Mock doc, six separate little mock documentaries. Really funny. So I'd, I'd advise having a look at that. Uh, but uh, yeah, look again. I'm sure I'm not the first person to to say that when you start when when I started with this country, the the curtain. Gareth thing obviously I think everyone had that initially I had that wow this is this this is Gareth yeah. and of course that that you know I saw that lovely picture on Twitter the other day with a pair of them uh and Charlie said didn't he this me and my dad yeah and that's yeah. really really funny but that again was an initial thought right from the off was uh wow that's brave because he's got the haircut he's got the accent he's got you know it's you know quite heavily there but of course it moves away so fast away from that that you forget all about that but i think i don't think i was alone in thinking uh that's a brave character choice because it's uh you know big error but uh, the office what a piece of genius that you know there's there's not been much better as british comedy goes i don't think than those 12 episodes of the office and again it's lovely that it's similar to this country it's 12 episodes and a special mm. and that seems such a lovely amount with the american stuff i don't know what you guys think of the american office I'm a big fan. I I actually prefer it to the British office, I have to say. 
what's incredible about that coming from a writing point of view is it's like 200 episodes. Mm. An immense thing to undertake, set in basically one location with, uh, you know, eight cast members. To write 200 episodes of that is amazing. So, yeah, I mean, so all my love of Mock Doc, that goes right back to Final Tap, uh, you know, right at the start. And, uh, but yeah, so it's always interesting to see what's new and it's, and what's, what people are doing. Well, that's what I quite liked about this country is it wasn't trying to break down any barriers with its, uh, Rock Doc style, was it? It was quite gentle and quite, you know, sweet. Didn't need to do anything particularly clever. Just really funny. Mm. That's the main thing, isn't it? That's what it's got to be. I mean, we'll, we'll talk more in depth about your own mockumentary, but when you were writing that, is it hard to take away, like, what you've watched from this country or The Office? While... No, you, you, what you find happens is that you'll write something and it'll end up on the screen and then you'll see it in The Simpsons. And you think, ah, <laughs> that's <laughs> Or something will happen, you know, you'll see it on a TV show that you think, I've not stolen it, but it's just, it all goes in, of course. And mm. you know, so everything goes in from, you know, from all the comedy I love. And so when you're writing, it, you can't help, and as a musician, I suppose, you can't help but be influenced by what you love. And look, there are bits in this country where you can look back reference to other shows. You know, oh, okay, that's a bit like that. And they would have had the same thing. They would have been going through the same thing, mm. stuff you've done, bound to influence you, isn't it? No, it, it's, yeah, it's it's it's. Just, I mean, we've said it a hundred times again that that simple looks to the camera, mm. straight from Laurel and Hardy. But, yes, that, well, but that was in the American office. That was in the the, the British office. Is those those little looks to the camera? Uh, you know, Morecambe and Wise. Eric Morecambe used to do it all the time. And it's it, it's. You can't say that you're 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 copying it. It's just it's a, a tribute almost. And it's part of the genre. You know, as you rightly say, going right back to. Oliver Hardy, you know, nailing it. Absolutely. Mm, little mm. looks when something silly. That's little glances, you know, that'd be a hundred years ago. <laughs> that's yeah. just crazy, you know. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and that's what that, what that does is it, it, like Tim is the perfect example, I suppose, from, from, uh, the office. So I'm just trying to think that this country doesn't really have a straight man, does it? Like we had with Tim. Tim was the audience. Yeah. Tim was us. And we were watching it through Tim. Mm-hmm. And that was such a lovely, uh, a lovely vehicle for them. And uh, this, this country, I think, has got, you know, you haven't got that sort of straight character. I mean, they're all funny. I, mean, I think so, the, the, uh, the nearest one is probably the vicar. Yeah, I was going to say, he'd be uh, the yeah, nearest to yeah, yeah, it. Really. He's cool. probably in the middle of everything, sort of looking out, if you like, getting very yeah. deep names, <laughs> which is not like us. Yeah, no, you're probably right, actually. That's, that's a good shout. Yeah, so he's, uh, he's like, he kind of doesn't have much comedy as such, does he? But he's still a great character. So talking to characters then, Warren, what what about favourite characters from this country? Look, I mean, <laughs> Mandy, obviously, is... Uh, I, I'm taking aside the, t- the two guys who are incredibly talented and funny, and, you know, we know about them, they're great, but whenever Mandy crops up on screen, always a treat. Mm. Just incredibly funny, and uh, just, you wonder, when I watch that, I wonder about the script and how much of what they're doing when she's on screen is written. It doesn't appear. If that, if it is written, it's brilliant, you know. But if because if it appears so natural and uh, and uh, the scene, the scene when she's doing the tattooing, that book that she's got, you know, you get with comedy writing, you get these moments like like when you get like a a tap in basically where you've got an easy, you know, this book's coming, you know, there's going to be drawings in this book, and it has to be. It's an easy, it's a, you know. 
it's like an open goal for a mm. writer. But to get it right, and they got it spot on with those drawings that they did, uh, Grant Mitchell or, uh, or the bloke from MasterChef. And, of course, <laughs> then take that, take that further along to uh, those court drawings, which were so perfect because, you know, an inch further and they would have been ridiculous. Mm. Or an inch back the other way, they just would have been drawings. But, you know, that's they're a joy to have as a writer because, you know, you've just got to get those right, those bits. And, uh, yeah, fun. So, yes, I'll say Mandy. Uh, but, uh, you know, Kerry's just, she's fantastically funny. Because uh, she doesn't, you know, it's lovely to see a performance where she doesn't care about, it's not about physical at all, is it? She doesn't care, Kerry. And that's just such a refreshing thing to see a female character who doesn't have to be pretty for us. You know mm. I mean, it's just a, makes it so much funnier. And, uh, yeah, so the, 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 yeah, there, there's some highlights there. We will, we will go on a little bit more about this country, but I do want to talk to you about uh, Seaside Town, because um, yes. where did the idea come from in regards to wanting to make your own mockumentary to start with? Well, I've kind of done bits and pieces, uh, little projects here and there before, uh, just when I was doing this stuff uh, and having a job back in the day. And now I'm just you know scraping by doing it as a job, this. And... Uh, and because I love it so much, and the joy of it is, of course, it's fairly cheap. You know, you can get together a little talented cast, and all you need is a cameraman and a good cameraman and a sound guy, and you're pretty much set. Mm. And that is uh, such a lovely thing, having come from other bigger movie projects that we've done, where you know you're shooting two and a half minutes a day, and that is uh, whereas with mocked off, you can shoot twenty, and that is. Uh, you know, so you can just fly through it. And it's so freeing for the cast because they can kind of, there's only one camera, so they haven't got to worry too much about setup, so they can just do what they want. And, uh, but yeah, so I was always going to, if I, I had a tiny budget for that, a tiny, tiny budget. So I was always going to lean towards Mock Doc because I love it so much. If I could make a living out of doing Mock Docs, I would. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you were just saying about, um, whether or not a lot of the stuff that we in with Mandy was scripted and stuff. So how much in Seaside Time was scripted and how much was more off the cuff improvisation? Uh, yeah, 80% I wrote, I suppose. And then you, you, I'm not, but I'm not precious. I don't like to rehearse. So I, I like to write stuff and then get it on set. So often the first time I've seen some of my dialogue is when I've said action. Right. And you see it. Rubbish. And you say, right, stop that. Stop, stop, stop. And we kind of work on it from there. So, it's not that I've done that all the time, but uh, but I'm pretty relaxed with my cast really as to, as to what you know my script is there to kind of point the scene in the right direction. But of course, what happens with good actors is they will stick to your writing because they can make your writing seem natural. And uh, so yeah, I'll say eighty percent and twenty percent of uh, Roger, the lead character, mucking about. <laughs> so so what was the inspiration for the actual story then? Well, I'm a big football fan, and so, you know, again, I tend to lean on that a little bit, my love of football. And then, obviously, the, the general story is that there's the American female soccer team are going on like a worldwide odyssey of seeing some of the biggest clubs in the world and how they tick. And Keely Jones, the captain, gets sent to England uh, to visit uh, the world's oldest football club which happens to be this tiny little football club in New Haven, right near where I live on the Sussex coast. And yet yeah, where she gets to meet the local idiots and characters 
you know, and then we're of course into slightly into this country world where we meet this, this little tiny town. And, you know, so yeah, again, the reason I did that is because when you're putting it's ground prime in the US and in the UK, having that crossover helps. So having that the US, the main character being American helps. And that was done purposely so that it will cross over here and there. You know, because I think it's all, it's harder to, to break out over there if you just a very slight English comedy. Mm. And we thought if you bung a, an American girl in, that really helps. And it has helped. So, because you're finding that a lot in cinema now, aren't you? Where a lot of there's Chinese characters because the China market is so so massive now. So, how hard is it to get things seen or or noticed these days? Because although it's a lot easier and it's quite cheap to make stuff, and you can put it on YouTube and stuff like that, but that means that everybody is doing it. So, how hard is it to? Do you need to have a bit of a name for yourself or? No, not really. It's just a matter of, of doing the work, really, and that you can get your trailer seen around around the uh, internet. And just you know, you can you have to work hard. It's it's the hardest part of it because you spend all the time writing it and making it and editing it and finishing it and then you premiere it, and then that feels like the end. That feels like well, that's that project done. But of course, not. That's where you have to start the slog of uh, emailing and and uh, you know just getting it seen. And you obviously want it to be seen more. But it is what it is. It's a tiny little Amazon Prime series. We put it on YouTube as well just because we thought, you know, the reason we made it, sort of go back a little bit, is there's the New Haven Regeneration Group, a group of guys who are trying to get make New Haven a little town where I grew up, uh, back on the map and you know, people noticing it. And so that was what it was for, really. So it wasn't really a profit-making thing. It was kind of a, you know, a little local thing that due to the fact that we stuck an American in it, <laughs> has got a little bit of traction, which is lovely. So, uh, so yeah. So, it is, to answer your question, it is hard to get stuff seen. Yeah, it is. It's a challenge, particularly with, little, I mean, these little 12-minute episodes. You know, with a feature film, it's easier because it has come to a little bit more kudos and grandeur. But, uh, look, we'll plod on mm. and uh, that's the word of mouth, really. And that's the thing. And, you know, chatting to you guys, chatting to people like you. I've done a few different pieces. That all helps, you know. Absolutely. So when you're writing something like the Seaside Town Warrant, is it, do you, um, do you have the narrative of the complete story all the way through as you're doing it as a mockumentary or do you sort of adapt? Yeah, and... pretty much. I mean, I, yeah, you, you sort of need to really, so you sort of know where your, where your characters are going, but not, but not so it would hinder you. So you, I mean, I kind of, you'd have an idea, literally a one sentence idea of, of, uh, what a little 12 minute episode is going to look like. And then you can start. Mm. And then so you know, this character says this leads to this, to this, to this. And again, when you're writing stuff you're going to make, like with this one, which I directed and made and made the sandwiches and did the whole lot, is you're writing to your budget and you're writing to the location you know you can get. And you're writing very much that's holding you in because you know you can get the football club on Saturday for an afternoon and you can get, you know, so you're writing always with that in mind. Whereas with a feature film, the budget, you're not doing that. You're just writing whatever you want to see on screen, and then that's up to the producers to deal with that later. But, you know, with the writing of, of Seaside Town, again, 60 70% of it is is kind of mapped out, but you don't want to map it out too much, otherwise it gets a little bit stuck. Mm-hmm. So you have to self-breathe a little bit, I think. So how long did it take to you to write that, then, from sort of start to finish? Uh, or 
not again i was kind of working on it around other bits but i you know because it's each episode 12 pages it's you can rattle through an episode in a day so you know you can just start can be done in two weeks but then you start honing it and bringing you know i work quite closely with roger who plays the, the manager football manager in it and so we got together and walked walk through each episode and you know, how we can make them funnier and uh yeah so not long on that because it's it's a joy to write 12 minutes because it's uh you haven't got to worry about structure you haven't got to worry about uh uh with longer stuff you get that bit in the middle that gets baggy mm. and uh whereas with that you didn't mm. all just nonsense <laughs> because we're just in the process of starting to write something that's more of a narrative thing and i've always been fascinated in when you've when you've written something and then yep. you rewrite it, and then you maybe rewrite it again. At what point do you drag yourself away and think, right, I'm not going to touch it? Because I can, I can imagine that if you wanted to, you'd forever be retouching bits and pieces of it. There must be a time when you have to step away. Well, luckily for me, I'm incredibly lazy. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that works quite well. But no, I think uh, no, it's a good point because you, you, never, you never feel like you're finished, really. And again, if you – again, it's always different. Than, are you guys planning to – write and make it or are you just going to write it and- yeah it's, it's for us it's going to be more of a um, an audio like a radio um oh, okay. series kind of thing yeah. um but, but, it you're, is- but, you're, yeah, but if you're going to make it it doesn't sort of need to end because you'll be working on it when you're recording it right so whereas with a script that you, all you're doing is writing it and sending it off then i mean again it's difficult because you the moment with a the bromley boys is the feature film thing i did and that you have to wear two directors, uh, one who left the project and one who came on and did it. It was amazing. So that was six years of directors coming back as a forward with my script. Wow. So I finished it six years ago, but we didn't finish it until like three days before we shot. You know, so it never ends really because whoever comes into a project is always going to have a. You know, you'll have actors who will have a say on it. Mm. They'll say, "Well, how about this? What should we do this?" And you might love it, you might hate it, mm. and then uh, again, it's having that. It's when you're in charge of the project is you know what you want and you can let people have an idea but you know, there's got to be someone in charge otherwise it can get a bit chaotic mm. so uh, you know but yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, so i was gonna say you mentioned uh, the bromley boys yes um that's another process that i'm sort of fascinated in and when you have a book and then you you yeah. make that book into a screenplay what's the process of that do you literally go page by page in the book or do you just read the book and then write something almost from memory how does how does that work well the Bromley Boys it's the first time I've done it once it's the only time I've ever done it the Bromley Boys it's basically a book about a young lad who's 15 and he supports Bromley Football Club uh, in 1970 when they were the worst team in England and the book is a chat is a series of chapters but chapter one will be home to Sutton chapter two away to Enfield oh, chapter right. three that's how the book, the book's like a diary, but doesn't necessarily have, have uh, a movie plot in there. So it's just a long list. It's lovely. It's very beautifully, sweetly written. So I guess all I did, I guess it seems such a long time ago now, I went through it with a fluorescent marker and just picked out bits that made me laugh and picked out characters that and sort of folded the page over and thought he's funny. And then the book, the films ended up, I'd say, look, it's, it's based on, loosely based on the book now. You know, the characters are all in there. But I've added characters. There's a, there's a character called Ruby who's got the love interest. She's not in the book. And the whole narrative of what happens, the big twist, that's not in the book. So 
you know, it is different, but you know, the essence of it. Okay, I suppose if you're if you've been commissioned to completely or take a thriller novel or something and turn it into a film, I guess you have to be a bit more structured than I was. I was just picking out bits in the book that made me laugh, and there are a few of them in. A few of them have made it in word for word into Alan Davis's voiceover. Mm. So when you when you're writing, then uh, Warren, do you prefer <clears throat> writing from scratch and your own idea, or do you like adapting books? Oh, well, again, like I said, I did it once, and I've, I it was it was fine because I loved the book. I suppose and again because mm. it was a, my subject, I, it felt natural. And you know, it's like these things that someone said, "Do you want to try and adapt a book?" So I went, "Yeah, all right." <laughs> I got paid for that one, so I definitely want to do it. And uh, but no, writing there's something very exciting about starting a project with a blank word doc, and then a year later you're premiering at a cinema somewhere. There's something very exciting about that. So you have that you've literally gone from nothing or a little idea in your head to having a, you know, a movie at the end of it. Mm. I love that. Yeah. But again, like you said earlier, it's very hard to get it to get these things seen and make money out of it. Very hard indeed. You sort of need a need the occasional paid big paid job and then it pays for me to do all my the com- comedy bits yeah so how did you get into it then warren i've been doing it i did kind of music and playing in band until i you know realized that that wasn't happening i got to about 30 and then so i thought what can i do now so i met a mate at work who was a sort of film budding filmmaker and we chatted about a story that we both thought would be quite fun we made a terrible little movie with a camcorder that was about 15 years ago and then it kind of moved up from then. And then I wasn't, I was working at printers and doing kind of that stuff. And then I got a phone call about the Robbie Wood. And I met a mate of mine in Brighton who, who had optioned the book and who had been in a comedy football thing I'd done four or five years previous. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very much a thread of my work, isn't it? <laughs> and, uh, it's football. and, uh, so, so that paid, I got paid for the Robbie Boys, which not a great deal, but enough to kind of get me, I took the plunge really and thought, let's do it. Let's have a go at this. And I'm still just about scratching by with it. But, uh, but it's brilliant fun. So I'll kind of, I've given up the life of, you know, working in an office and earning proper money to having a life of, you know, mucking about on film sets and not having any money. <laughs> <laughs> so like you say, that the, the thread going through your work is, is football. Um, yes. Is there any particular stories um, of any of the characters that you'd like to do a, a movie on? What in the uh, in in the football world? If there was any particular people that you think I wouldn't mind having a crack at doing a story about a certain person, uh, Barry Fry has always interested me. You know, that would be a chip, great one. Uh, that would be uh, great. He's an interesting character. Yeah, absolutely, uh, it'd be great to sit down with him and hear some stories because I'm sure he's got some. So that would be fun. And uh, but yeah, some, something like that. I always prefer the, the kind of bottom end of football, funnier and more interesting than the, the Premier League stuff. A bit dull, isn't it? Whereas the, the you know the Bromley Boys is a non-league movie, and uh, you know that's much more fun. And so those stories are always the, the ones that I would connect with. I do do I kind of go from horror stuff to football to horror to football because horror you can do horror thriller stuff you can do with a tiny budget, and you don't need stars. Which right. is, uh with a big comedy movie, you do need to have a couple of you know recognisable faces really. Mm. Otherwise, it's very hard to get it you know, moved on. Whereas with little horror movies, you can work without stars, which is still use really talented people, but, you know, that's why I kind of head back to that. 
occasionally. Yeah. Fry the movie. Yeah. <laughs> know, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> that would be very interesting. I'm sure he has got stories to tell. <laughs> Absolutely. Bet, yeah. I bet he has. So what football team do you support then? I'm a supporter of Brighton and Hove Albion, uh, which is my local team. Uh, so, yeah, I've been going to the Albion for, yeah, 35 years now. So, uh, so yeah, we're doing all right at the moment. We're kind of uh, doing the whole Premier League thing at the moment, which is a bit weird. But, uh, yes, so that's, uh, that's my so team. You're happy with how everything's going this season? Oh, yeah, it's going away. It's a weird thing, because obviously all of my football sporting years have been with Brighton in the doldrums, really. And now suddenly we're playing, you know, Manchester United and Chelsea and Man City. And it's different now. It's you know the Premier League. It's weird because you're you're in a sporting event that you can't possibly win. Yeah, you're, in, yeah. you're taking part in a competition you can't win. Which up until now, every season with Brighton win League One or the Championship, you start the season and you might win it. You might come last. You don't know. Whereas the Premier League, you sort of know what's going to happen. You're going to try and come fourth and bottom. Yeah, and it's a bit depressing. But uh, yeah, it's all right. It's kind of you know you get the great stuff watching these great players but do lose a little bit of the family kind of homely club thing which we used to have but you know probably wouldn't swap it Premier League is good fun I was going to say is that a th- is that a British thing is that, that, that especially someone like Brighton where a few years ago you were at the Goldstone ground is that yes. that was Brighton well done thank you very much thank you but then you got a brand new stadium and yes. and Chris Hewton is sort of oh, Houghton how do you say it? is it Hewton or Houghton Hewton, right, has now sort of done it so that Brighton. Are, no, they're not. They're not a middle table, but they 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 seem to. Be, I, I can I can definitely name four or five teams that are worse than Brighton without a shadow yes. of a doubt. Mm. So, do you prefer that, or do you prefer the fact that you you're in like an old fashioned ground and like you say, wondering whether you're going to finish bottom or you're you're struggling for survival? There seems to be a thing for being British that people like enjoy <laughs> that. <laughs> It is. Well, I mean, the Premier League is always going to be a constant struggle for a team like Brighton, but it is also in the world of the millionaire footballer, and, you know, it's not quite as romantic as it used to be. But then that probably is looking back with massively rose-tinted glasses at the days of the Goldstone when, you know, there was four and a half, five thousand of us watching, you know, home to Scunthorpe on a Tuesday, and it was miserable, and, you know, one nil defeat. You look back on those days and think how brilliant it was. Yeah. And uh, it probably wasn't. But... You know, it's nice to, you know, we occasionally do away games, very rarely, but it's nice to go to, you know, we went to Brentford last year, you've still got a proper old ground and and uh, it's a proper football day out, mm. proper pubs, pro- you know, whereas the Albion is all very, you know, it's great, but it's all very commercial. And it's, uh, you know, you're getting, basically you, move, you step in the ground and you're being fleeced the moment you get in there. And uh, but that's the Premier League and that's, you know, you, I wouldn't want to go down. So, you know, that's the thing you want to, once you're in it, kind of want to stay in it and I guess still get those little moments of you look up on these big screens at the stadium and the team's about to come out and there's Pogba and you know De Gea and you think how's this happened <laughs> how have we, we ended up here this is crazy you know, that's kind of, uh, I still get those moments <laughs> that's lovely though. going back to your horror writing just quickly then <clears throat> um, do you do you have a particular style of horror you prefer or do you just delve yourself into any Look, I'm a massive fan, not, not that I replicate these necessarily, but I'm a massive fan of the old 1970s kind of Omen, Rosemary's Baby, those kind of old movies that weren't, you know, there's no CGI. It was just really creepy. From the moment that the Omen starts, mm-hmm. it's really hard to watch because it's really weird. And Rosemary's Baby's the same. 
such a strange film. And you can go, you can watch some of those, the more sensible Hammer Horror ones from that period. And they're really creepy. Whereas now, obviously, you know, horror films, much more jump scare based and much more CGI jump scare, you know, which is great. And there's, you know, I do enjoy those, but, uh, I made one, I made one called Cage, which you, you can get on Amazon, uh, Prime at the moment. And that was one actress, uh, yeah, wakes up in a cage in a warehouse, uh, and doesn't know how she got there. But so the whole thing is, uh, yeah, one actress sitting in a, sit in one location. So we made that, uh, three or four years ago. And that was quite good fun. But uh, it definitely splits, uh, divides opinion on, uh, on Amazon Prime, that's for sure. <laughs> some, of the, some of the abuse I've got the cage has been uh, remarkable. The horror fraternity is pretty unforgiving if they don't like what you're up to. So you, so, uh, you have to be a bit careful. <laughs> how, how do you take stuff like that? I mean, you, you're you're laughing about it, but is you take things like that quite personally? Or initially, it's horrible. Initially, when I first I made one, I made a little found footage movie about uh, my first thing I did on my own, and the cutting room and that was all right and but again you're so proud of it and you have a brilliant premiere night and everyone's patting on the back and everyone's having a lovely time then it's out and then the, the hate starts <laughs> it's horrible because you just think you know i did think at times of the cutting room why am i doing this to myself mm. this is 18 months of work to get to this point and now i did oh, i'll see if i'll paraphrase it a bit but it, it I had a review from a blogger uh, an american blogger on about the cutting room I actually emailed him and congratulated him on it because it was so funny. He said something like, what he said, he said, uh, to, rep- to fully replicate the experience of what in the cutting room, turn all the lights off in your house, get a torch, wander around until you find your DVD player, and when you find it, hit stop. <laughs> <laughs> now, I thought that was really funny, and I said, I sent him an email and said, mate, that's great, and he was, he was saying, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Well, that's all right, you know, everyone has their opinion. But, uh, but, yeah, now I'm used to it now. And uh, so all, all you can do now is be proud of what you've done. If you're proud of what you've done, you know, we get some miserable, hate-filled stuff about like the Bromley Boys, which is this lovely, sweet, little, nostalgic 1970s movie. And you think, how can someone really hate it when they do? You know? There, there will always be haters, won't there? Anyway, it's a strange thing, because it's kind of, uh, you know, there's plenty of things I've watched on TV that I don't like, but I don't sprint to my laptop to... to uh, Tell the world about it. It's the ones that say, I've watched this rubbish, so you don't have to. I mm. don't. Oh. <laughs> but see, the thing is, that, that guy you just spoke to, that, that you emailed, it's, I mean, all right, if he's got that, the views of that about your movie, yes. that's fine. But when you email back, he shouldn't be going, oh, oh I'm sorry, mate. I'm no, sorry, mate. Because if that's what he thinks, then that's what he should think. Yeah. Don't hide behind the computer. Yeah, because it, what it is, is that people like me, when you spend all that time, we're just faceless. We're just, yeah. you know, the moment you become a human being, that suddenly changes things. And, you know, when you sort of, there was someone being rude about the Bromley boys saying it was, you know, poorly written. Poor, yeah, I'll tell you what it was. There was this bloke said that it was poorly written rubbish. Uh, the only good thing in it is Marine McCutcheon. <laughs> so, so, so I put a, uh, I just answered him on Twitter and said, it's Martine, mate, writing his heart. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> I shouldn't get drawn into this nonsense, but, uh, but it's, it's yeah, easy to though, isn't it? It's easy to just get drawn in because everybody thinks they're right when they're on the internet. That's the trouble. Exactly. And then suddenly there's two humans speaking, and it does it does change the dynamic quite a lot when you become an actual person to them rather than just a faceless. And they all think you're millionaires. Yeah. Because mm. you're working 
fighting, of course, that's not true. And so, you know, you're, I'm trying to scratch around for a living like, like you know, everyone is. Mm. And, you know, I think so once people find that out, people are a bit kinder. But look, people are entitled to their opinion. And, you know, I'm, you can't, all you can do is make work that you're proud of. And if you're proud of it, then you're just going to have to take it. You'll get it when you, you do your thing. You'll get people giving you jiff about it. It's horrible. Well, but, I hope they don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to take it on the chin. you just got to take it on the chin. Uh, Warren will be there at his computer. Right, I'm waiting for this to come out. I'm going to give him some shit. I'll tell him what it's like. (laughs) (laughs) Right, before we carry on, we're going to have a little bit of a quiz. Oh, God. Uh, We're going to do Kerry or Curtain. So I'm going to give you a line of dialogue. You have to tell me if it was Kerry or Curtain. Are you you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. The first one. That would ruin him, actually. Oh, but here, I think it is. I think it's curtain. It's not. It's Kerry oh. talking about in Terry. What, what, what context? That was um, when Curtain was complaining about Terry uh, in the aftermath episode, and was saying that um, if they changed the the security code, and uh, Kerry said, "Oh yeah, that would ruin him." Actually, okay, yeah, okay, that's yeah. that one. Number two. They're bowling like a bunch of absolute pubes out there today. Oh, that's definitely Curtin. That is Curtin. Mm. Well done. You get a ding for that one. Number three, it's like an elephant trying to ride a tricycle. Oh, definitely Curtin. That is definitely Curtin. Well done. Number four, yeah, I'm getting this weird feeling. I swear to God. Oh, blimey. Uh, uh, this is a guess, uh, Kerry. That was Curtin. And I can't oh, remember where I got that one from. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting this weird feeling, I swear to God. Where was that from? Oh, I'll have to look it up. I should really write the context down on this bit of paper. <laughs> uh, and number five. I reckon what we should do is forget about the whole thing, to be honest. Kerry uh, uh, with the tattoos. Well done. It was well, Kerry yeah. and it was the tattoos. Well, well done. done. So that was three out of five. That's very good. That's very good. That's 60%. I should get an extra point for that context. Come I on. should actually. I should, I'll give you half a point. So I'll give you three and a half. Yeah. <laughs> He's always giving. I'm, I'm yeah. always giving. So uh, what do you have coming up then? Have you got any other uh, projects like a, a Series 2 of Seaside Town? Is that uh, something in the offing? We asked. Not really at the moment. We're going to kind of, it's again about if we can make, if that can make its money back as a, a little kind of local uh, project that it was, uh, then we'll do it again, I think. But until, obviously, until it's done that, we'll, we'll leave that. Uh, I've got, I've just written, finished another script, uh, a movie called Bad Reception about a, a terrible wedding reception that goes awfully horribly wrong, which we're going to try and make with a little kind of British comedy, young comedy cast. That's very much in early, no money raised yet, you know, attempting to finance it stage, which is the most tedious stage. Well, I've done my bit. I've written the first second draft now, and it's off now with the money people. So, uh, fingers crossed that'll happen. Wonderful. Good. And, yeah, I've got another little horror, little horror idea that I've been kind of working on today, which I'm quite, quite good fun. So, we'll see where that one goes. Mm, you know. Sounds intriguing. So what about uh, this country then? Where do you think that's going to go? So when season three starts, what do you see happening? Or what would you like to see happen? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's interesting because <clears throat> as a fan, 
I just want to see more of the same, don't you? I can see that, you know, going back to the office, the American office, you can see how they could just do it forever. Mm, now, bring, mm. in, bring in other ensemble characters, move them out, bring them in. But <clears throat> I guess the temptation is going to be for the guys to move it and to have it give it a little bit more weight. I hope they don't, really. But, you know, you could take it to Bristol, couldn't you, for an episode or two. You could see them in the city. That might be funny. But, you know, as a fan, I'm happy where they are. I'm happy as we just carry on, you know. And uh, Kerry's got to get a feather at some point. That's going to be uh, that would be an obvious place to head, I imagine. Uh, but yeah, I think they. I'd like to. I'd like it to stay as it is, but I think they may well take it up a level, maybe budget-wise. They're bound to be. Get, they're bound to be getting more money now. So the, the pressure, to, the pressure to make it, make it a uh, a bigger show will be on them, I guess. Well, when you hear them talk, they don't seem to sound like they get a, a budget increase. No. If anything, it sounds like it's less, and then they have to work harder I mean, in a shorter yes. space of time to get things done, which is crazy, really, when you think of the sort of success that it's snowballing mm, into. Yeah. It's, it's such a – what a position to be in. You know, it's, they, just, they are literally living my dream, those two. It's amazing that they have got to – you know, they get to just do muck about and mm. do that stuff they love to do, and it makes people laugh. And that is a real – you know, when you get to that point where – you know, you're making people laugh. It's a, it's a drug, really. It, you know, one we've been at screens of Bromley Boys, and it's, you know, well, that's what's funny with, with writing comedy, though, is that often you'll write a joke, which is funny when you write it on the, on the piece of paper. It's funny, and then when you see it, it just gets lost. It, a joke can just disappear in direction, in editing, and so you know, we've there's been bringing there's jokes in the Bromley Boys that are, I think, funny, yet literally. Don't get a murmur in a seven hundred seat cinema. Right. And you think I want to stop the film. Say right, stop it. Let me explain to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you think maybe it wasn't as fun as I thought. I thought it was. But uh, but does that work the other way around as well? Are there times when there's where the bits you think that ain't going to be funny just, and people laugh? Just, just an average joke that kind of gets a big laugh. A lot of it is in the actors and the director. Whether they you know because the joke needs to be funny initially but also needs all those elements need to come together and if they do it can be lovely but often they don't and uh you know and again the joy those guys have got in the same way that you know i think i think i could write an episode of partridge for instance i'm such a massive fan i think i know i know him so well now i think i could write and that must be a lovely thing the hardest thing with writing comedy is uh, or sitcoms is to get those characters quickly in your in your bloodstream. You know mm. I mean, so you haven't got to spend six episodes learning who they are. You need to know who they are in five minutes. And you do with this country. I think you're very quickly aware of who these people are, where, what their life is. And, uh, now they've done that. They can do what they like now. Mm. And everything's, you know, the characters so well, but whatever they say is funny. And, uh, what a lovely thing to be able to do. <laughs> what yeah. They're definitely in a, in a privileged position there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Warren, thank you, thank you very much for spending some time with us. It's been a real pleasure to speak to you. It really has. Um, we will put a link um, to the uh, uh, Bromley Boys and to uh, the, the Seaside Town uh, in the show notes. So if you want to uh, give it a try and have a, have a watch, then please do. Neil, would you like to do a little bit of... Uh, housekeeping absolutely housework again that's not right (laughs) absolutely you can find us on all the social media sites twitter instagram facebook and all the others under wtaf this country well done 
Absolutely. <laughs> you can email us at WTAF, uh, this country at hotmail.com. Yes. There we are. Well done. And uh, we're on Patreon. We are. We've got uh, another Patreon subscriber. Hello, Joe Donovan. Uh, Hello, thank Joe. you very much for your monthly uh, little bit of dosh. It, it certainly helps us. Thank you very much. It Just really go to patreon.com forward slash WTAF. We've got loads of uh, cast signed uh postcards and that for different levels on there so just go there and check that out brilliant and then everything else is on our website which is wtafpodcast.com fantastic look all done brilliant thank you very much once again warren it's been a real pleasure to speak to you and fascinating thank you warren thank you guys cheers then. thank you and we'll see you all again very soon thank you neil thank you pav thank you very much now go and get plumbed you fuckers scarecrow festival is like the most important day of the year This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hi, I'm Pav. I'm Neil. We're here to tell you about our new exciting project, the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Phenomenal. That's right, Neil. We grab a guest or two, pick a subject, then bring our own Top 10s to the pod. Yes. It could be Top 10 scary movies, Top 10 swear words, Top 10 breakfast foods, anything. Oh, you saucy devil. Indeed, Neil. Our first episode will be online very soon, so subscribe on all your usual podcast platforms so you don't miss it. Yes. The Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's begin the countdown. Phenomenal. Phenomenal.